Welcome to Chai with Ping. This is Ping Robert. In this podcast, I cover immigrant stories, cross-cultural experiences, and minority issues. Join me with a cup of chai and take a listen. Okay, ready? Yes. Welcome back to Chai with Ping. My name is Ping, and thank you so much for tuning in. If you're a new listener. Thank you so much for finding my uh, episodes, and hopefully you will stay and listen to more episodes. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. Um, and then today, I guarantee it's gonna be a fun episode for you to listen about TCK. And before we start with our content and our guests, I would like to invite you to follow and subscribe to my channel, and that's where you can get the notification when um, every episode comes up. And then also you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, so you can see a lot of pictures I share, and also from the guests, um, there will be you know, information and resources available on my social platforms. And if you're shy, you can definitely email me by chaiwithping at gmail.com. I would love to hear. Back from you, and also if you think I'm doing quite well, or you want to give me some encouragement, feel free to、uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's been really great、um, reading some of the reviews from some of you listeners. All right, enough of all that.、Um, I'm having a returning guest, and it's been wow. It's been more than a year, and then we we were just catching up. It's just like. Where did the time go? <laughs> and then she's all the way in Canberra, Australia, and then she is now working at TCK Training, and she has been working with TCK Third Culture Kids for a long time. And then today we're going to talk about her study. Let's welcome Tanya Crossman. Hi, Ping. It's so great to be back. I, get, I, I can't believe it's been over a year. That's crazy. I know. I feel like everyone's saying the same, but today I'm going to say the same thing. It's like COVID kind of just brought us to a blank. Time zone or something like that, and then it goes by so fast. Yeah, whenever you like, just last night at dinner, my husband was trying to remember when something had happened, and it was like, it was like three years ago. Wait, COVID time, five or six years ago. I know it's like automatically, like what happened during those two years with COVID, and it's still we're having COVID right now. I'm like in quarantine, so it's just like in the Western world, it's almost done, but in Asia, is still like、Not、a、so、lot、much. happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Mm. Um, One before, of my friends, I call the quarantine queen because she's had to travel between、um, Beijing and Taiwan a lot to look、oh, after her parents. Okay. So I think at this point she's done something like twelve, fourteen, sixteen weeks in quarantine between her、oh, different visits、no. because、oh, yeah. I just like from both sides.、Yeah. Oh,、mm-hmm. man, that's really hard. And then I thought that、yeah. people can't really get out of Beijing right now. But she's、um, a Taiwan. Ah,、uh, um, okay. Because like the flights are very expensive and they're hard to get. They are very expensive. <laughs> before we start with our content about TCK studies, and、um, what did you do before going back to Australia? <laughs> oh wow, man! Pre-COVID, man, that's going back to time. Um, well, pre-COVID, I was a、uh, An educational consultant, basically. I did a lot of work with international schools, helping them with care for third culture kids and educational cross-cultural kids. So both students who were living outside their passport country and students in their passport country attending an international school. So going to school in a different curriculum or language to the national language and curriculum.、Uh, I did intercultural work with staff to help them build stronger intercultural teams and. All kinds of things like that, and lots of parent work. So I would go into a school and I'd work with educators and parents and students and 
whatever the school needed. Um, but I've been working with CCKs now for, um, I'm coming up on 17 years, which is crazy to me. That <laughs> um, is that's so nearly crazy. half my life. <laughs> I know, but you're so young. <laughs> I'm 40. I hit 40 a couple of weeks ago. So wow. I'm, I'm claiming my new decade. Oh, wow. Okay. How do you feel? I'm excited, honestly. I am loving the work that I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm really excited. I loved my 30s more than my 20s. And so mm-hmm. I am I am keyed up for 40 to be even better. Yeah. And then last year when we talked, um, so listener, if you want to listen to the previous uh, episode, it's episode 48. It's called Supporting Third Culture Kids. Um, Last time when we talked, you were still kind of searching where you're going to land with your career wise, because you were Mm. not able to go back to China, um, where you have worked so long over there with schools and parents. But then now you have a new job. Do you want to talk about it? I do. Yes. So actually only, I mean, a couple of weeks after um, we talked last, I started working with TCK training as a contractor on the study that we're going to talk about today. Um, I did a few different contracting jobs with them. And then uh, early this year, I ended up um, signing on in a permanent role with them. Uh, I am really excited about this. It's, it's been a few months, I think about five months now uh, on the payroll. And I have never been this excited about a team that I'm working with because Lauren Wells, who's the founder and the CEO, who's written some of my favourite TCK books, um, actually wrote the foreword for her first book, is the only person I know who has basically the exact same vision I do (laughs) for TCK care. Um, And so to be in a team who are all focused on this same goal of preventive care for third culture kids, equipping parents, equipping educators, equipping caregivers with research-based awareness and the knowledge and the practical tools they need to support kids for better long-term outcomes for lifelong thriving. It's just a dream to be able to do that. And for a lot of my job to be research, to be coming up with the numbers that we need, the data that we need to know what works and to be able to share that information widely, not just keep it to ourselves. So it's great. I'm loving it. Is TCK training an NGO? No, it's it's a business. It's okay. a, a for-profit business. I mean, the profit is basically just paying the salaries of the people doing the work. But yeah. um, no, I mean, most of what TCK training does is it's providing this training. Uh, it's providing workshops and uh, in-person trainings, curriculum, all kinds of things like that. And also personal debriefings for families who want to work through some of the things that they've been through yeah. and the experiences that they've had. Okay. And where is it founded? Currently based in Georgia, the US. Okay. The leadership team, the, the leadership team currently of five people live in three countries. And <laughs> the okay. full staff, you're adding another three countries, I think, to that. So yeah, that yeah, one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six countries, I think, are in wow. about 14 people. All right. Um, so it's an international there might be business. more that I've missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a global business because we're serving global families. Got it. So a lot of things are um, virtual or you can work remotely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, 90% of what we do is virtual. We do do in-person visits mostly for businesses and for some of the family debriefs. But yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of it's virtual because that's how our world is. This is how we can provide access to services to the most possible people. 
Absolutely. Um, a lot of people really, they only access our stuff through the virtual workshops, yeah. either by attending live or watching a recording later if the time doesn't suit them. Yeah. Um, or they'll have like a monthly membership where they can access all the trainings, all the recordings, um, including the entire back catalogue. Yeah, we'll definitely talk a little bit more about TCK training at the end of this uh, episode. And so are you ready to talk about your recent study? Get trying to get me to stop talking about it. So. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I more I, about this than they wanted to. <laughs> I know. I want to do an introduction to the listeners to kind of uh, start with a foundation. So um, Tanya worked on surveying a lot of participants and who are like um older third culture kids so they're adults and maybe towards the mid-age or older age and then you did some survey with um adverse childhood experience ace score so you kind of come up with that scores after counting all the points i guess and then uh, found some correlation with uh, behaviors in the future life so let's talk about Mm -hmm. it how did you conduct the the study yeah so we it was an online survey we put it out through a lot of different channels to try and get different categories of third culture kids to reach out to missionary kids diplomat kids military kids kids in business families or school teachers kids um ngos ideas people who just independently moved or in um multinational families where they had more than one passport country things like that uh we ended up with over 2,000 people respond which was fantastic um over a period of six months they're basically from everywhere i guess mm-hmm. was there a majority uh country or location that the participants are we from? we chose not to get a lot of demographics about all of their okay. information we didn't even actually ask their gender because oh, okay. we wanted to make sure we're going to ask people a lot of questions. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We'd rather focus their attention on the questions about the adverse childhood experiences and developmental trauma. So most of the demographic questions we asked was about the type of experience that they had. So mm-hmm. why they were living overseas, um, what was their core reason for being there, their core educational experience, how much they moved. It takes a lot of questions to actually get some solid information on mobility. <laughs> Uh, so we ended up putting the majority of our demographic questions into those. Um, you know, I kind of, I wonder if it would have been more helpful to just ask more of those questions, but I know from previous surveys I've done that it's, it takes a lot of effort to set that up and there's a lot of confusion when you start asking people about countries. Are you asking where they have citizenship or where they used to have citizenship, mm-hmm. where they have permanent residency? Are you asking yeah. about every country they've ever lived in? Yeah. And if you leave it as open-ended, mm-hmm. um, then you have to go through 2,000 responses and individually try and work out how to, it, yeah, it ended up being, we couldn't find a way to do it that it would be useful information. I know. And then there's so many intersectionality and so many varieties yes. of answers. Yeah, so it's really hard yeah. to Yeah, well, when a pinpoint. huge chunk of the people we surveyed had lived in four or five or more countries before yeah. the age of 18, Yeah, it's, it's very hard to graph, well, which country, like, do we get them to write? how many years in every country and find where like it yeah there's a lot of complicated maths that goes into getting any useful numbers out of that so in the end we decided we'd focus more on the developmental trauma side and then we really see this as the start there's there's so much yes. more research we just can't do everything in one study but we, That's we right. definitely want to do more 
Yeah. So let me put the name out here, and I also put the link of the white paper in the episode notes. So mm-hmm. if listeners, if you would like to know more about the study, we put the infograph here. It's called "Adverse Childhood Experience in Globally Mobile Third Culture Kids." And then it's such a great infograph. You put everything into numbers and summary, so it's really easy to read. And、um, there is a full white paper for download as well.、Yeah. And there'll be more. <laughs> There's、I、so、know. much more information and data we want to get into. So、yeah. it's really exciting. So from what I see, the study is kind of like a general summary of the ACE scores、um, related、yep. to their previous experience and later in life.、Um, and then there's a quote from your study: "Say internationally mobile families and children are often viewed as privileged, and therefore not at risk of ACEs, PTSD,、um, post-trauma." What is PTSD? Post-traumatic stress disorder. That's right, yeah, and other mental health struggles. But this data, this study, suggests the opposite. So, how opposite is it? Well, what we're seeing is that we know from decades of previous research that if you have four or more of these adverse childhood experiences, and this is types of experiences, not total experiences, if you had four or more of these before the age of eighteen, your likelihood of experiencing Depression, other kinds of mental health issues,、um, risk of suicidal ideation,、uh, even physical health problems like risks of autoimmune conditions and like asthma or cancer, your risk goes much much higher. And the study that we've done has shown that our sample of TCKs had much higher rates of the high risk ACE scores than、uh, the general population in. The largest study done was in the U.S.、Um, their percentage was twelve point five percent at four or more. Ours was at twenty one percent. And other countries, like we cited in our white paper, a study in the Philippines that had that number at nine percent. And there's been lots of other studies around the world, but and that, that's just a couple of examples. Ours were the highest we found in the studies that we looked through in different countries.、Uh, how did you get those numbers? There's so many published studies online.、Um, A scores have been studied, like I said, since the 1990s. The reason that we used A scores was this is a an a well developed field of research. It means that we can compare our data to data across multiple countries.、Um, the WHO uses this. The CDC uses this.、Uh, you can search in any academic. Journal online and find papers using ACE score research. We formulated our ACE questions on the questions that are most commonly used, so that we would have the most comparable data possible. Even though some of the more, more recent ACE questionnaires are formulated a little differently, we wanted to make sure that we could compare with the most studies possible. What about the participants? Are they around the same age, or they're just adults or eighteen plus? To get an accurate A score, you have to be over eighteen because the、mm-hmm. questions are looking at your entire childhood up to the age of eighteen.、Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's a certain problem with that cross culturally because what is considered adulthood is different from country to country. But again, we're looking for scores that will be consistent across research worldwide. So we're trying to do exactly the same as what other people have done in other places, so it's comparable and replicable.、Uh, So they have to be over eighteen to take the survey.、Um, the military kids we surveyed were were generally much older.、Uh, 
So if you take the military kids out of the survey, the rest of the group, the, about half of them were born 1980 or later. Um, so about half of our group were born um, after 1980 and about half were born before 1980, which means that we can have a look at what the scores are like at different age groups. Generally speaking, the ones born in 1970 had higher ACE scores than most, but it is there, there's no clear pattern, no clear consistency. The scores were a little bit lower for the younger ones, but as I've talked to a number of um, therapists, especially those working with TCKs, we do know that um, it takes time to process trauma in your past. So it is possible that those numbers are lower because you have especially the, the, the youngest category, those who are mm. sort of below 21, yeah. haven't finished processing and thinking through their experiences. But it is also possible that there has been an improvement in TCK mm. caregiving over the last couple of decades, in particular yeah. since uh, the Ruth Van Recken, David Pollock book, Third Culture Kids, came out um, in, the, in what the, the main one came out 2001. So it's possible that... Um, you know, the increase in awareness and training is is improving scores over time. This is most clear in the missionary kids' data. And since that's the field that's had the most caregiving training and equipping, especially through some of these, these books, we think it is quite possible that we're starting to see a dip in those scores improving through that kind of caregiving work. Because in the missionary kids' data by age, it does. It peaks at around nine in the seventies, and then they start slowly dropping down gradually okay. over time. So hopefully, yeah. we'll be able to start seeing that kind of drop off in scores across all sectors. Yeah, as caregiving and equipping becomes standard across all sectors. Mm. And I also wonder if kids are were born after the eighties. That's also where the computer and internet start to develop. So as when, when I was growing up, so I was born in 86, you know, that when elementary school, we kind of start that computer trend. So I wonder if technology, the frequency of contacting friends and family will also help. And then also like, you know, what you said, a lot of trauma or experience are not processed after people were maybe after 30s. When we have the mm. resources, awareness to kind of process through our psychological, mental health issues and all that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it does take a lot of time to have a more complete perspective from those people's uh, childhood experience. And they're set up to be as black and white, yes and no as possible mm -hmm. so that it, is, it isn't as subjective and it's did this happen or did this not. But when it comes to things like did you experience sexual assault, even if you've given a list of particular kinds of events to say yes or no to, you know, there are times that you aren't able to acknowledge to yourself even what you've been through and be able to say yes to that. Same with some forms of emotional abuse, physical abuse. You can look at that list and still not say, yes, that's true of me. Also, we know that the brain doesn't stop developing until 25, so it can be a bit harder to ask people to have a clearer picture. <laughs> so, you know, there's so many different factors. We know that no numbers will be perfect, but we think this is strong enough, especially with this number of people, to be a guide that these numbers are worth looking at and uh, more research is definitely indicated. We definitely think this is showing trends overall in a large community. And then since I'm a qualitative researcher, I love 
I still love to see survey numbers and all that because numbers still mean something. However, higher correlation doesn't mean higher causation. So then,、mm. this is kind of a starting point that the study you did, and then、uh, you know other researchers or scholars they can kind of go deeper to realize like what kind of factors are actually influencing、uh, A scores or what kind of sectors that you could actually separate those participants and look、yeah. into specific groups. Yes, that was really important for us to work out how we could do that. We actually expected to see some differences, especially with sectors, because different sectors,、uh, and by sectors we mean mobility sectors. The reason that your family was globally mobile, why did your family leave their passport country, what prompted that move? The main sectors we identified was missionaries, business, which included both sort of corporate transfers and sort of going overseas, self-initiated, looking for work or to accept a job, or even as entrepreneurs. Uh, military, diplomat, and foreign service. So working for your government overseas. We had a group we called education NGO because our ed- education kind of sector and our NGO IGO humanitarian sector, both of them were were just under a hundred. We wanted groups of over a hundred to have good statistics. We combined those two into a single group for comparison purposes. But we've got this, you know, the complete breakdown. In the white paper, I do have a question. So, some of the people they move because of multiple reasons.、Mm-hmm. They could be doing business and mission. A lot of countries、yes. are like that. Um. So, how did you pinpoint that <laughs> sector? Yeah, that's a really good question. More and more over time, we're seeing multiple reasons for mobility. So, maybe mum and dad are working in different sectors. Or there's job changes over time. So first we were working in the military, then got a job in the private sector and moved again because of that.、Uh, so there's there are multiple reasons for mobility. So what we did is we gave a long list and said pick everything that applies. But in a separate question, we also asked them to pick what they considered the main sector that they identified with. For those who said none of the above, we looked at their response individually. In Almost every case, they identified something that fit into one of our categories. So either we hadn't explained it well enough, or we could look at other answers they'd made and go, "You've you've really only picked options that fit in one category." We ended up with out of one thousand nine hundred and four responses we accepted into our sample, thirty five in our other category.、Um, so yeah, most most of them could quite confidently. Choose a sector that, for them, they identified as their primary reason for mobility. Got it. And then you also kind of asked、um, with different core educational experience. Let's talk about that. Some of them, so there are one, two, three, five, five different、yes. educational experiences: local schools, international schools, Christian international schools, boarding schools, and homeschooling. Um, it's interesting. How come, like Christian international school, is like a different category? Yeah. So in years of interviews with with、uh, TCKs, this has come up multiple times that the Christian international school experience is different for a couple of reasons. One is that you have students going to these Christian international schools who are not Christians, but it's the most affordable option, or it's the only option in their area. So there's a specific experience that goes with being a non-Christian family 
or even perhaps a Muslim family or a Buddhist family attending a Christian school. Also, they tend to be differently resourced. They are often staffed by um, missionaries who are supported to be there, so they're not on high salaries. The school doesn't have as many resources, so they're just practically a bit different. Uh, And also, they do tend to have more of a focus on knowing about what TCKs are because of the connection to the mission world and the they're the kind of schools where a lot of this early TCK support went into. So we were interested to see if we would see different numbers. Um, would, would the A scores be higher or lower? Um, would we get different uh, experiences reported? So we decided to give it as a separate option. Very interesting. I was not expecting to see the numbers, um, the highest for local schools. So apparently a lot of kids, well, actually a lot of, all the five numbers are close, like within some percentages, but like local school is 24.8%. So I was not expecting a lot of kids. People with the high risk case scores. Yeah. 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 Okay. So again, this is comparing to 12.5%. In the big CDC study in the US. Yeah. So it's more um, than double. And then let's talk a little bit about the findings. What did you guys find? So, what we found is that across all sectors, across all educational experiences, we were seeing, and across all ages, we were seeing higher ACE scores, um, as you know, higher high risk, higher rates of high risk ACE scores in the TCKs in our sample than in other non-TCK studies. That means that they are more likely to have had four or more types of adverse childhood experiences before the age of 18, which means they're at higher risk for some of these uh, negative health outcomes later in life. That's one of the big key findings. The other really big finding was the impact of mobility on ACE scores. So when we forget about different sectors and all those kind of things and we just look at how often an individual moved, when someone moved location 10 or more times before the age of 18 or moved house 15 or more times, and those were the, I say that because that was the highest bracket we gave and we got significant numbers of people who had moved that often. If they had moved that often before the age of 18, they had high-risk ACE scores at the rate of 32 and 33%, which is, I mean, that's a huge number. One-third, yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. For those who had moved less, it's, it's you know, less than 20%. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm curious about what kind of negative childhood experience that you guys ask about. So we asked the 10 questions on the ACE list, which I'll, I'll give you in a second. But we also added additional questions because the ACE questionnaire really isn't taking mobility into account. It's not asking about that, which is why we did. And we asked additional questions around other things we thought might be connected to a globally mobile lifestyle. Uh, We also asked about developmental trauma more generally, some other experiences that have come up in our anecdotal practice in working with TCKs and families, things that have come up in debriefing families that were traumatic to them. We specifically only asked about first-hand experiences. What have you first-hand experienced? What have you first-hand seen? Not about secondary trauma, like what's happening in your community, even though we know that has an impact. 
And we got a lot of comments from people talking about the impact of secondary trauma. This didn't happen to me. I didn't see it, but it happened to people I know. It was happening in our community. I was hyper aware of it. So we're not even considering that, but we talked and asked about things like your exposure to violence, you know, to conflict, armed conflict, your exposure to death, to serious car accidents, because in some parts of the world, traffic safety just isn't as good as in the Western world. How often were you seeing um, really serious car accidents or seeing people die in the street? Were you seeing, you know, animals treated traumatically? That's We got so many stories about that, people talking about seeing their own pets, you know, mistreated cruelly. We ta- asked about break-ins and um, home invasions. We asked about um, other violent incidents at schools or in community spaces, so places where the children normally feel safe, their home, their school, the mall, the places that they go with their family. So these kind of things, we asked how often was this happening in their lives as well because that does not factor into the ACE score at all. Uh, what factors into the ACE score is much more centred on the family home experience. So a lot of the questions are asking about your adult caretaker figures who are living in your home. So usually that'll mean a parent or parents. Um, It could mean other adults who live with you. So if you're in an intergenerational household, it could include grandparents or aunts or uncles. If you have like other families that you share a house with, those adults would count. If you have full-time domestic helpers, if you have a housekeeper who lives there, a live-in nanny, they would be included in that. We were very careful to explain that in our instructions because that is a common experience in a lot of expat families is they have live-in staff, sometimes paid for by companies that send them. Maybe it's just common where they live, um, but letting them know that that counts. The people who are living in your home and caring for you or who are adults who are present in your home have an impact on you. So it asks about those adults. While you were a child, did any of those adults go to prison? Were they uh, abusing alcohol or were alcoholics or abusing illicit drugs? Did they experience depression, mental illness or attempted suicide? Did any of those adults abuse you emotionally or physically? Uh, It asks about your perception of your safety in terms of neglect. So as a child, did you feel that you were loved and important and special and that your family was supportive? Not about as an adult, do you know that that was true or not? But as a child, did you feel that security and safety? And the same for your material safety. Did you feel that you were sure that you would have enough to eat, you'd have clothes to wear and clean clothes, that an adult could take care of you, take you to the doctor if you were sick? That perception of was I safe? And then it asks about more generally you know, about sexual assault. It asks if your parents were divorced or separated. I think I'm missing one. (laughs) That's a very good insight because like I was just thinking like, hmm, how did you guys do the survey? Because then you ask very specific questions and that's the beauty of doing a survey because it needs to be like that. It Um, needs to be specific. If, if we ask, and it like, needs oh, to be something you can just say yes or no, not to be that's subjective. right. Yeah, right? and then yeah. a lot of people might just say, Yeah, I had a great childhood. But when you pinpoint these specific questions and they start to remember, Oh, my pet died, or my parents got separated, or like, Yeah, mm. my dad wasn't able to come yeah. for some years, that kind of thing. If you just ask people generically, Did you experience trauma? They'll say no. Yeah. And then if you ask them specific questions, like, Well, that did happen. Yes. 
And it may not, you may not register it as trauma. You may not feel it as a traumatic event. Yeah. And, you know, 75% of the TCKs we surveyed had at least one of these. Mm-hmm. But again, the research says that if it's only one or two, you probably aren't having significant impacts from that. Yeah. But it's good to know that they're there yeah. and that that is something that is worth processing. I did remember what the last one was. <laughs> it's about domestic violence. Had did either oh. of your parents? The, the traditional one was was only about your mother, stepmother, like the mother figure in the house. But we actually mm-hmm. asked about both, um, yeah. mother or father, yeah. if they experienced violence. Mm. Did you guys ask about school experience? Because like I know a lot of kids when they transition to a new environment, they get bullied. Mm. We didn't ask very much about school experience. That's something I'd love to do a separate survey on Mm -hmm. at another time. Uh, One of the, or a couple of the more modern ACE questionnaires have started including bullying as an ACE, which is really good to see because that can have a really negative impact. We did ask a little bit about language and their ability to connect with other children through language Mm -hmm. because that's one of the ways we know that is a protective thing for kids is if they feel a sense of belonging uh, and they feel connected with peers so we wanted to know you know how much of their time is spent with children who spoke languages that they were fluent in or comfortable Mm. in uh or did were they spending a lot of their time around children with where they were working in a language they were really not comfortable in yeah i worked with a kid before in denver and then i realized he was not fluent in both languages so he, he is from a Chinese family, come from China, directly and put into a special services at a school district because the teachers and parents found that he was not able to cope with the school systems. But then when I'm interpreting for him, I realized that his Mandarin is also not as good. When I interpret from English to Mandarin, he couldn't understand what they're asking. And then so, so like, that's also a big question for TCKs. Like when they move to a country, like maybe in mid elementary school or junior high, a lot of language and development is still going on. And then they couldn't yes. catch up with both languages. So yes. then I, I just felt like that kid was mistreated. Uh, or misunderstood and which is a great segue to your book as well so if you are yeah. listeners if you're more interested in learning about TCKs Tanya did have um, a book called Misunderstood I will also put a title and link on in the episode note um, it's there's so much to think about for TCKs because there's no absolute answers and and mm. there are a lot of gray areas yes yeah. Hmm. And that's why, I mean, one of the big things I wrote in the intro to my book is this is not a book to tell you all the answers. Mm-hmm. It's a book to tell you how to think about engaging with your child and their perspective yeah. because every child's journey is unique. And again, when we look at these A scores, we're going, yes, objectively, we know that these things can be traumatic and require mm-hmm. processing, but everyone will experience it differently. One thing I'm looking forward to in future is that we're publishing more information from the survey is sharing some of the quotes that we got in the comments and the variety. Like we had someone saying, um, as a military kid, I'm so glad you're doing this. Like so many military kids have experienced abuse and it's, you know, it's rampant. Another person saying, I'm a military kid. Where are you getting all these negative things? Everyone had a great experience. And both of those viewpoints are valid. 
because both of those viewpoints are expressing the experience that they had. One of them had an experience where they were unaware of any trauma taking place in them or in their friends. Maybe that's because where they were living was a really safe environment. And maybe it's because they personally had a great experience, but some of their friends didn't, but also didn't feel safe talking about it. And whereas the other person had an experience where they were not safe and their friends were not safe. All experiences happen and are valid. Yes, 21% of the TCKs we surveyed had high ACE scores. That means nearly 80% didn't have the really high risk ACE scores. So we're not saying that all TCKs are having bad experiences. That's always been a huge part of what I've done in my work, what Lauren's done in her work, what our whole team has done is to say, we are not saying that the TCK experience is terrible for everyone. We both have come from international experiences. So as much as a team that we work with, and we have had difficult things about that experience, we've also really appreciated things about that experience. It's made us who we are. Most TCKs will integrate their backgrounds. What we are saying is, we need to be aware of those potential risks so we can do something about it, so we can look after kids well. If we are going to take them into these experiences, we, are, we have a responsibility to understand the potential pitfalls that we are also putting in their path so that we can support them through that, yeah. which is one of those things that come with what you're, you're talking about with education. It's a really big one. Um, I, that was a really significant negative part of my international experience mm-hmm. was changing curriculums. Mm-hmm. Even though I was being educated in the same language, the curriculum was incredibly different and it made a massive impact on my education. Um, so knowing what those impacts are so that we can do something about it is really important. Yeah, great point. I felt like as researchers scholars when we do research there are always limitation to a study and then it's great that we kind of just put it out there this is a limitation that we cannot tackle um but we're also not saying every kid is gonna have traumatic experience however exactly i think i think at risk children or at risk tck's they do need a little bit more support and awareness to support in their adult life and to to get the resources and services they actually need and Absolutely. It, it, it was quite a relieved for me to know there are 80% of the participants, they have lower ACE scores. But then today we're all more talking about those um, kids who need more support and um, just kind of raise awareness among families and educators. Um, go ahead. One of the things that motivates us to do this is the people who recognize that they need support and have trouble getting it like the quote that you read out about this belief that international mobility equals privilege. And yes, there is a lot of privilege that goes with that lifestyle, but there are also these potential traumas. And I think if we can help sending organisations and counselling staff understand those potential traumas better, then that's a huge goal. Um, It's a big win for us. I've, I've talked to TCKs who've been to numerous therapists, none of whom could see that they were trying to work through childhood trauma because they didn't have any childhood trauma. They couldn't, you know, one person went to 10 different therapists before they found one who had recognised their extremely mobile international childhood as being a source of trauma. Whereas now, um, you know, about a year after I interviewed that person, 
I have data that they can show to a therapist that says, actually, <laughs> that level of high mobility greatly increases my risks. Um, Lauren, my you know, co-author on this paper and the study, um, she had a therapist say to her point blank that you are presenting all the signs of PTSD, but it can't be that because your childhood sounded great. <laughs> There's this perception that this international lifestyle is a dream. And in a lot of ways it is. There's lots of great things about it. If we don't temper that with understanding that there can also be trauma associated with it, we will misunderstand and we will misdiagnose and we will just totally miss <laughs> the problems that some adult TCKs have when they Absolutely. are trying to get help. Yeah. And I was good point. Cause I was wondering, I, I went to several uh, therapists in the past as well. I realized not all the therapists were trained for this kind of international context. Yes. So th- they are aware like there are internationally different perspective and all that. And then they asked me if where I come from has a different cultural standard or values, but then not everyone is equipped with that awareness to ask the right questions about international context. Like mm-hmm. a- as a regular therapist, I don't really think they will ask a lot of questions about mobility or w- what's that experience like um, when they're abroad and all that. So it's a great awareness for um, therapists out there who want to work with CCKs to get more training. And, and, you know, this study could be a great resource for them as well. Yeah, that's what we really hope. Yeah. I know that Lois Bouchong has done a lot of work in training therapists to yeah. understand this. Um, but yeah, having this kind of data to give people to explain, we, we really want to be able to give people who've been saying this for years, here's some ammunition to back up what you're saying, that you can yeah. cite this when you're making your um, funding requests or your resource requests. You've got some numbers that you didn't have before. <clears throat> We've had so many interviews in the last couple of weeks talking to people who wanted to know more about what we're doing. Um, you know, some of them for publication, but a lot of it just personal conversations and a lot with therapists and child safety officers who are, who are sharing stories about their experiences where they've been screaming this stuff to their organisations and their superiors for a long time and have had so much trouble getting them to pay attention. And what we're really hoping is that these numbers will help those people who are at the coalface who are doing this work hands-on to have some more weight to the things that they're saying. This is not just me. This is not just my bias. Here are some numbers that this is happening more broadly across many sectors in many places. What are some recommendations from this study that you will form to improve ACE scores for TCKs or their family and communities? The other kind of research that we are citing in this is uh, positive childhood experiences. There's been some fantastic work done on the HOPE framework, H-O-P-E, and pieces, positive childhood experiences. The research shows that when you have a lot of these pieces present in childhood, then even if you also have high ACEs, the presence of those pieces really dramatically reduce your risk of negative health outcomes. So one of the studies, one of the big studies that was done in this showed that when someone with high ACE scores had high PEACE scores, their risk of developing depression and mental illness dropped 72% which is massive. So what we really want to do, our whole focus in the work that we do is 
getting people on board with preventive care. Even if you're living overseas and you go, oh, what am I doing to my kid? Well, then there's possibility for additional ACE scores. There's possibility for that. It might happen, it might not. Even if they have a high ACE score, there's a possibility for this higher risk. Doesn't mean that they will develop all these things. But regardless of the situation, there's a lot there that you can't control. A lot of the adverse childhood experiences, some of that is within a parent's control. Some of it, a sending organisation can impact. A lot of it is outside individual control. Pieces are completely um, something that communities can impact. Parents, schools, sending organisations, churches, supportive family members from even far away can impact these pieces. So that's the really big thing we do is working in preventive care. What can we do with children of any age to set them up for long-term thriving? And PACES is the way to do it. So we talk a bit about that in the study. Uh, and our big call, especially even at the end and the conclusion, is that we want sending end, end agencies, uh, receiving agencies, schools, anyone who's involved in global mobility, corporate HRs, governments, people who are sending families overseas, need to be aware that these pieces are vital. You're setting people up for risk. You should also be doing that risk management. Awesome. I'm loving this conversation because I just thought about so <laughs> many other things that, you know, the field and, and related researchers can do because like, this is a starting point, as we mentioned. And then it's like, there are so many answers to be found uh, within this whole yeah. survey with the same people um, or different groups that we can kind of dissect them into different pieces and then kind of put the puzzles all together. Wow. There's been some really great research done in the US about what does implementing pieces on a more structural systemic level look like because we know that high aces are you know they're costly to society they're costly in terms of healthcare. they're costly in terms of productivity they're costly in terms of society breakdown so what can we be doing to invest in pieces in a systemic society level there's a great paper that we cite um in our white paper that was a, a harvard center paper um aimed at government policymakers. Here are some things that you can be doing to make this happen. They had three main recommendations. We cited that because this is great for entities that are sending families abroad. This same thing that will work there where they've got a lower risk will work for you and for your organisation where you have a higher risk. Just another follow-up question. So this survey was done in English, right? Yes. Then, but, you know, I'm from Taiwan. I also know a lot of missionary kids, they were homeschooled in Mandarin Chinese. So yes. then oh, it's another area to discover, right? Because English is not always the language for most kids, probably, yes. But for a mm. lot of Asian kids, they might have a different system. And it will be so interesting to look into their resources especially when their parents are not fluent in English and then they kind of tend yes. to approach those um, resources in their own languages. And I think we, we can there, kind of make that There are actually a couple yeah. of um, ACE study uh, papers Chinese that have been done in China and in Chinese. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll see if I can pull them up for you. Uh, I know. This, this will be great resource for some of my friends. Um, they, they're not fluent in English, but then if we translate this piece for them, that, that could be a great help as well. Any other thoughts? 
so many. How many hours do you have? Most <laughs> <laughs> exciting for me as I go through this is, is recognizing how much of an impact community has. It doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to be a parent to be able to impact children. I'm not a parent, but I have nieces and nephews in two countries who I love very much, and I know that I can have an impact on them. More than that, I know that I can have an impact on my community and the children in my community through looking at this list of pieces and going, these are things I can do. One of the big pieces is that children are engaged in community traditions that they enjoy. The way that we get together as groups has a positive impact on children and a protective impact for them long term. That's something that all of us can be involved in, the making sure that the community traditions that we're part of are including children in ways that they enjoy so that there's something for every age group because that's something that's going to be helping them thrive long term. Another really big one is that they have at least two non-parent adults who have taken a genuine interest in them, right? So there's adults in their life they know care about them. If they have two non-parent adults that they know care about them and are there for them, that is a big piece, uh, PCE, positive childhood experience. And again, that's something that's not a parent, right? You don't have to be a parent to be dramatically impacting the lives of children and their long-term yes. health and growth. Love it. Yeah, they could be from the community, they could be neighbors, they could be church leaders or whatever, religious uh, organization leaders. Mm-hmm. And they could be campers, like, you know, the camp counselors that stay in touch. Let's talk a little bit about your social handle, how people can find you, contact you, and a little bit more about TCK Training and your book. Well, TCK Training is very easy to find. Mm-hmm. We're TCK Training on pretty much every platform. <laughs> We're on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. Our website's tcktraining.com. And if you go tcktraining.com slash research, you'll get quick links to everything we're doing, including workshops that are specifically about unpacking some of the data from this white paper and this survey. Um, but there's so much more there to explore. So if you, whether you're a parent or a sending organization, there's a section there for you um, to see. But yeah, if you're not sure what to do, just go to the workshops page. That'll give you a great overview of what's coming up and recordings that you can access on pretty much any topic you can imagine. <laughs> there's stuff for adult TCKs, stuff for parents, stuff for uh, caregivers who are not parents, whoever you are, there's something for you. Um, me personally, one of the best ways to find me is on Twitter. I'm really active there as Tanya TCK. Uh, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook as Misunderstood TCK. Misunderstood is the book. Um, I also wanted to point you to Lauren's book, which is my favorite resource for people who want preventive care strategies. It's called Raising Up a Generation of Healthy Third Culture Kids by Lauren Welts. And it is the best resource for practical strategies that you can take off the page and into your family immediately to be doing this preventive care and this positive childhood experiences in your home and in your family. She breaks it down by ages. So no matter what age your kid is, you can, um, yeah, you can, grab that stuff and be using it immediately. Love it. I'll put all the resources and links that we mentioned in the episode notes so people can find you and the resources. What are your hopes for future studies and work, Tanya? 
oh man there's always a list of like 10 things I want to do right mm. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh one thing I really want to do is look more at the bullying stuff that we talked about earlier that yeah. came up a lot in um the comments of this survey mm-hmm. secondary trauma was another thing that came up a lot in the comments so really more about community we know that pieces are a lot about community support so i'd love to do a survey that's more focused probably on the pieces mm. so what pieces were in your environment and what weren't and i think yeah. that one of the pieces is about belonging in high school one's about having supportive friends so mm. i think looking at what did supportive friends look like or not look like in your childhood so did you have these so instead of focusing on aces do one that's Mm -hmm. focused on pieces so which are the pieces that are (laughs) the pieces that are missing in childhood for tck's where are they getting that where are they not what are they missing what are they looking for what would help to develop those yeah i think would be a great next step yeah and then just on top of that bullying topic, I was thinking about cyberbullying as well because a mm. lot of kids spend time in gaming, on internet, and then a lot of times that we are not aware what they're doing and what they're receiving information from. So great work, Tonya. Yeah. Thank you. This is so fun. I told you, I've been, I've been really enjoying work lately. This is yeah. really exciting stuff to sink my teeth into because this matters. and. Yes. I really care about getting this information out to people who can use it and use it right now. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, listeners, we talked so much about the study on TCK and adverse childhood experience, A scores, and the correlation of their uh, future adult life um, negative behaviors and all that. I will put all the link in the episode notes so you can read and to see the infograph and to get an understanding to it. And hopefully this episode can bring a a great summary and awareness for you as a TCK or you have TCKs around you. Thank you so much for coming, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Thanks for listening to Chai with Ping. If you think someone will benefit from this episode, don't forget to share it with them. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you like my show, you can buy me some chai with small donations. Details are in the episode notes. Till next time.